following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. I'm Coach Larry. Matt Keogh could not make it today, so I'm riding solo again. Um, we got a little uh, solo version of Stories from the Sidelines, and I'm coming in hot. Opening week of football, Rams, Bills. I'm coming in hot for two reasons today. First of all, I can't wait. to. I'm super excited for this game. This is one of those games where it's not going to take very long to figure out exactly what team this Bills team is. Are we the uh, Super Bowl favorites that everybody says we are, or is it a year that could start off a little rough? Um, great test right off the bat facing the Super Bowl, defending Super Bowl champs. And they always say, to be the champs, you got to beat the champs. Well, we're going to get our chance to beat the champs right off the bat. Cannot be any more excited about this game. Thursday should be around an 820. I'm hoping a little later kickoff. The reason I'm hoping it's a little later kickoff, well, football season started, but soccer season started as well. And we've got a game. <laughs> Ken East versus North Tonawanda girls soccer will be playing that day as well, and it starts at seven o'clock. You love as a coach, as a player, you love playing in high school games. You love playing under the lights at the stadium. It's a fun experience. <laughs> but when you've got the first game of the football season on a Thursday night, um, as a coach, you, you you love the game, but at the same time, you kind of get a little where I want to get home and I want to watch the game. But you deal with it. It's happened before. Last year, I know the Tennessee game, uh, the Monday night game for the Bills, I ended up missing the first half because I had another soccer game to coach. It happens. You get over it. Um, you still coach out there and you play the best you can. So coming in hot for that, but... Um, it's going to be a good matchup, both games. Girls, Ken East uh, against NT, always a tough matchup, always a tough game. And, of course, the Bills-Rams, it's going to be fun to watch. I'm hoping that I can be back in time for the, at least at least half of the first quarter. So I shouldn't, at, at least at the very least, maybe the start of the second shouldn't be that bad. I'll get over it. Um. And speaking of the Ken East girls soccer team, we had a very tough game against Luport today. Um, lost in the effort, but couldn't be happier with the way we played. And I know how, as a coach, can you be happy if your team loses? Well, you know what? From top to bottom, I thought we played very, very sound. We were aggressive. A um, lot of smart plays by our defense and forwards up top. Um one of those games, too, where we had to play our backup keeper, a backup keeper, not only that, who has very, very, very limited experience playing soccer goaltender, and I thought Gabby did outstanding. Um, she was a little timid in the first half, gave up some goals that maybe she shouldn't have, maybe got a little nervous about playing a tough team like Luport, one of the top teams, um, a team that is does very, very well in the sectional tournament, has made it to states before. So to play a team like that, thought came in nervous in the first half, sec started second-guessing herself in some of, the, uh, some of the plays that she made, but made those corrections and in the second half played much more sound, had a very good, solid second half. And as a team, we played from top to bottom very, very well. Um, our back line, um, Maria and Chloe, playing stopper and sweeper, I thought did outstanding. They had great communication there, flipping back and forth. Um, our outside defenders, um, 
Ava Grady, who is, we've had three games now, and Ava Grady is looking and playing at an MVP level. She is, she just really started playing defense last year on the varsity level and picking it up this year. I mean, Coach Rapel and I are kind of looking at each other where we don't have to tell Ava where to go. She's at those positions and making those plays and making pinches when she needs to and staying back and keeping her player out wide. She's playing awesome. Along with um, Tank on the other side, uh, Lola Norris, who's playing fantastic on the outside. So, again, a uh, two outside defenders who are very young but are playing outstanding at this point. Um, our midfielders in um, Gianna, and we've got two Giannas this year. We've got uh, OG, uh, G, who's playing uh, on the outside. Mid is playing very well. We've also got uh, new GG squared. Uh, she's playing outstanding on the other side when she gets in, and she also does a little transition in the center mid, which is a very tough position as a young player to pick up, and she's picking it up well. Uh, Brooke is doing, again, outstanding, and Cam both playing outstanding in the center mid position, and Cam, it's been a little transition this year from dropping her back from striker to mid and thought she's really picking it up super well. So can't be any happier with her. She's had some struggles, but again, playing that center mid position, you're going to have those struggles. You're going to have some growing pain, going growing pains playing any new position. And she's, she's stepping up big time. Uh, Brooke coming off her ACL surgery, a tough injury for any athlete to come off. And she's, Again, getting back in her, getting back in the groove, and at times looking like she's never missed a beat. So, playing extremely well out there. Uh, Fee on the outside mid is playing super strong. A couple times she's starting to second guess herself a little bit, but really picking off where uh, where she the strong play that she played last year. And again, as an outside midfielder, it's a tough position to play. And she's really picking it up very, very well on the outside. And with her on the outside, with OG on the left side, and Cam and um, Brooke in the midfield position, we're on our way to picking up a very, very solid midfield group. And again, a very young midfield group. We don't graduate anybody from that group this year. Then you've got um, Jane playing up top along with Kylie, who started today. Those two are becoming, they're learning how to play together, especially Kylie as a young player, and they're playing extremely well. They're they're finally, after two games, the first two games of the season, it took them a little bit to realize where each one of them want the ball, where each one of them are going to play when one's making the runs, but playing extremely, extremely well up top on the wingers. And our bench, and and Coach Rapel and I, Jamie and I, have been talking about this. Our bench might be the deepest bench that we've had maybe ever since we've coached at Kenmore. We're, and some of the girls are asking, well, how come I'm coming off? How come I'm, not, I'm only playing 80 minutes instead of 90? How come I'm playing uh, a little bit less? Because we've got a bench this year. We've got a lot of girls from top to bottom. Again, one of, the, uh, one of our solid... Most solid teams. Um, we've got a lot of bench players. Annika's coming off the bench, playing some solid minutes, whether it's up top or midfield. Um, Ava Sheedy, another smart player who can play the center mid position, outside mid position, up top and forward, who's playing fantastic for us. Whether it's been 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 50 minutes, she's been playing solid minutes anytime. She is out there, so she's been playing fantastic. Um, we've got uh, Riley, another solid young defender who is coming off the bench and giving us minutes with Sam, who is, again, a seventh grader, seventh grader at varsity and playing solid minutes, giving us a solid 20 to 30 minutes, sometimes even more of games this year. We're at an outside defensive position is amazing that the fact that she can play out there and play it at this level. 
So that's fantastic. Um, Emerson, another young player, a seventh grader, seventh grader or eighth grader. I think she's a seventh grader playing fantastic at the, she's given us minutes up top at the striker position and also has given us good minutes on outside mid. And again, as a seventh grader, I don't think people realize in a physical sport or in any sport playing at the varsity level as a seventh grader, it can be extremely tough. The pressure can be there, especially when you're playing against juniors and seniors in a very, very tough school like Luport, and they've been able to handle themselves very, very well. Uh, we talked about Gabby in net, who, again, had a tough draw. She had a tough draw this uh, game. George, our starting goaltender, um, couldn't play today. Um, Gabby stepped in and played extremely, extremely tough and extremely well. Made some mistakes, but also made some big saves when she needed to. Um, and it's been it's been fun to watch this team grow so far. And we're only three games in, so we've got a long way to go. And it's been it's been amazing. It's been really fun so far to see them play. So. As a coach, could not be any happier, any prouder right now of how they are playing. I feel like I'm missing a few players, but uh, I think I caught everybody. I think I caught everybody. That was 6 plus 11, 17. I think we got everybody on the field uh, that played. So girls couldn't be any happier with you than the way you played. And it's always funny because... The start of every soccer season, this is year number, I was just kind of thinking of this, this is year number 20 coaching soccer. Um, I started coaching back my, would have been my senior year in college. So back in 2001, 2002, uh, I started coaching Little League Soccer back at uh, Niagara Pioneer, which was a long time ago. Back then, in fact, this is how long ago I actually had hair back when I was coaching. We're coaching a U uh, under eight house league, which was a ton of fun. And for me, I can't believe it's been 20 years. It's been 20 years of just loving the game that I've played since I was eight years old. And coaching has given me an opportunity to just stay a part of the game and really learn the game and love the game from a different point of view. And I don't think people realize just how different it is playing the game versus coaching the game. I remember back to my first year coaching a varsity team, coaching a varsity soccer team. It was way back. This would have been, I believe it was a 2004, Five or 2006 uh, season at the Park School of Buffalo when I coached first varsity season. It was their girls' varsity team back then. And I just remember trying to coach it as a player's perspective, trying to think about the drills that I ran as a player trying to think about different formations I run, what worked well for me, and very quickly realizing that it's different being in practice as a player and it's different running a practice as a coach. And as a coach, you not only have to worry about the midfielders. As a player, I just had to worry about the center mid. Coming into a practice, I knew I had to work on my touches. I had to work on distribution. I had to work on my game. I knew what I had to work on. I knew as a captain, I knew what other people had to work on. But I focused on myself and making sure that I was ready for those games. As a coach, you have to focus on defense. You have to focus on offense. You have to work on your keeper and with the last three years dealing or working with um, Jamie, who has been fantastic working with. 
the last three years, I've kind of been working a lot more with the goaltender, with George. This year with George and Gabby. Last year I had Liz to get ready. And it forced me to learn a different position. But it's been an outstanding run. But even those first years at Park, getting those practices together, I had to get practices for defense. I had to get practices for offense. When we're working our three-on-two drills, I had to see it from a defensive point of view. I had to look at it from an offensive point of view, what correct, what we were doing right defensively, what we were doing right offensively. As a coach, I remember my first game, I think I ran through so many emotions, nervous, scared, excited, happy, energetic, just all those different feelings. And in fact, my first game as a coach, I got to coach against Niagara Catholic, and I also got to coach against um, a former teammate, teammate of mine and Steve Mullaney, who was coaching Niagara Catholic. Had no idea he was coaching Niagara Catholic until he came off the bus because it was our home game and saw him. You know, we got together a little bit before the game, talked um, a little bit, but just funny, uh, a, a great introduction to my coaching world for varsity, coaching him, and don't want to rub it in, but we won 3-2, to two, I believe it was that game. It was a very close game, um, and it was a great way to get a victory in the first game, but not only that, but just I remember that first game, and I'm a little hoarse coming in today from screaming and yelling, but after that first game, uh, Steve and I went and were able to uh, grab a drink Afterwards, and talk a little bit about it. Of course, he had to buy because I won. But just remember, I I couldn't speak. I mean, I my voice was very scratchy by the end of the game. And very soon after that first couple games, I had to realize, listen, I need to either a scream less or learn how to yell from my diaphragm, or I'm not gonna have a voice very long. And it's, there are times where I still don't have a voice very long. In fact, the other time, the, the other day at practice, Jamie was telling me, because there are times any coach knows this, you have to rip into your team a little bit when they're not doing what you need them to do at practice or at a game. After I just got done, uh, let's say, making some corrections, Jamie was kind of laughing, and she she comes up to me. She's like, Larry, it's always funny because when you start off talking and giving them, you'll start off kind of low, and then as you go, you'll turn into almost a full scream when you're you're giving instructions because you can tell that that anger a little bit, if they're doing something that they really shouldn't be doing, that anger kind of starts as a low simmer and bubbles over by the end of your speech. And I never really realized it until she mentioned it, and we had a nice laugh about that. So it's it's been great. And today I kind of thought, since Matt's not here, I kind of have a little bit of a chance to share some old stories that, that pop into my head about different games, whether it's been from my time at Park, whether it's been at my time at Kenmore Middle, coaching their modified boys team, Franklin middle coaching the girls modified soccer moving up to the JV at Ken East moving up into varsity with Jamie the last three years as her assistant coach at Ken East and everywhere in between both as a player as a coach it's been a lot of fun and as I was thinking about putting this this episode together one of my first uh, stories that really came to mind was back in my first year at Park School, and I think I've I think I've mentioned this story before. But there was an athlete that I had, um, Abby, who she was a very very timid player. She was a junior by the time I got there, a uh, sophomore, 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 or junior by the time I got there. Very super timid player, one of those players where put her in a midfield, even at practice. If the ball came near her, she kind of didn't really run away from it, but she would kind of wait until somebody else got the ball. 
was very, very super, super timid. Um, but it was me at practice. Abby, you got to go get the ball. Abby, don't be afraid. Go in for a 50-50 ball. Abby, let's go. You got him. You, you can't be afraid of the contact. Can't be afraid of the ball. You'll be fine. Go in and, and kick the ball. Started getting better. Started getting better. Was a bench player. Um, but that year at Park, I think I only had 13 girls. So the bench players had to play. One game, as the as the season got on, she kept getting a little bit more aggressive, a little less timid, a little less timid. And I remember one game we were playing against um, uh, West Seneca Christian, playing in a league game. She stepped, there was a 50-50 ball to be won. She stepped up into that ball, stepped up, made a big play, like knew the ball was going to come. Unfortunately, she didn't quite win there, didn't quite get there in time, but made a great play. And the girl got there, won the battle, and Abby took a shot to the face with the ball and a hard shot. And I, as a coach, instantly the thought that popped into my head first is she okay? And second, oh, my God, this girl's never going to do anything that I say again because I've been on her to win a 50-50 ball, going for the battle, going for the battle, and she blocked the ball with her face. And I started running out of the field. She popped right back up before I could take maybe two steps off the field, looked at me, saw that I was on the field, coach, I'm fine, and got back into the play. I've never been so happy to have a girl take a ball to the face than I was there because she just proved that, and I think even to herself, you can see that she proved that she was a soccer player at that point. It's okay to, you're going to get hit, you're going to get kicked, you're going to take a ball to the face at times. But if you can pop back up, if you can recover, if you can get back into the play and do it again and again and again and again at that point. And I told her afterwards, I've never been more proud of you at that point. You, and I think this was about four or five games into the season. I was like, Abby, you are a soccer player. Now you just earned your stripes. You earned your, your, your wings, so to speak. But she, again, couldn't have been happier. And by the end of the season, by her senior season, she became a starter. You know, there were games where she would start. Um, not every game, but there were games that she was a starter. And she was, if she wasn't starting, she was getting quality minutes off the bench. So for me, it's just one of those stories where you love seeing those players progress. Even if they're not going to progress into that college level that's Whatever. It is what it is. But if you can see those progressions, it's it's always fun to see. And another story that uh I'm gonna it's it was that same year at Park, first year. We decided the guys coach and I, uh Coach Murphy at the time, we decided to have a little guys versus girls scrimmage. Obviously we kept it a little modified. Um so we wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, nobody got a little too rough. So we got about, um, I don't know, it was about 10, 15 minutes into the game, and I noticed that my defense was being the more aggressive of the team. Anytime the girls would come out and play or make the challenge, they were winning the majority of the 50-50 balls. Um, which made me feel really happy and and really, really proud as a coach. Until about, I don't know, the 15-minute mark of the game, my starting center defender, Andrea, decides to all of a sudden two-hand and shove one of the boys right to the ground and looked like she was going to beat him up. And I kind of like... The coach and I, Coach Murphy and I, look at each other we're like, we blow the whistle, we're like, Andrea, knock it off. What's wrong? What's wrong? 
And to her credit, she just turns and looks at me. Coach, he called me fat. (laughs) Coach Murphy and I didn't. It's one of those things where you hear a comment, it registers in your brain, but you don't really know what to say. Um, Afterwards, the kid apologized because A, he knew it was wrong, and B, I thought he was scared out of his mind. So it was great to see that toughness from your player. And again, we hadn't played in the game yet. This was a preseason scrimmage. I think our game was uh, two days away. And at that point, the next day, I named Andrea captain. I mean, she had that toughness, not just because of that, but she had that toughness. She had that leadership. She also, in every practice, she was that type of player. And in every game, she was a junior, so I had her for one more year after that. She didn't care if her teammates were were one of the best players on the team or one of the worst players on the team. If they messed up at practice, if they messed up in a game, she was going to get on them. She was going to make sure that she got the best of everybody on the field. And that was the type of player I was as a player, and that's the type of player you want on your team as your captain. And speaking of captains, a lot of people think, well, it's easy to pick a captain. Isn't the captain your best player in football? Isn't the captain that scores the most touchdowns or on defense that makes the most tackles or gets the most interceptions in a soccer game? Isn't the captain going to be your best uh, defender, your best scorer? The short answer is no. No, it's not. There's been times... Um, coaching soccer that it my goal scorers aren't my captains. My better players on the field aren't necessarily my captains. There's been times that I've been a player where your better players don't want to be captain sometimes. And I shouldn't say your better players, but your goal scorers sometimes don't have it in them to be players because if they're not vocal they get lost in the shuffle. My thought is I like to have captains who are who both lead by example but are also not afraid to be that vocal room in the locker room, that vocal voice in the locker room. Okay? You've got to know when to step up and take over a game. You've got to know when to get your teammates fired up for a game, and you've got to know how to push their buttons. In a lot of ways, you've got to be a coach on the field. I was captain of my soccer team. Um, Senior year was voted captain, and it was a great experience. It It almost helped me get ready for coaching. And as a player, I really, I don't know if I ever really had any aspirations before then of being a coach. As you get older, as you get, you know, in your high school lovers, your junior, senior year, um, I was kind of battling a knee injury, so didn't really play, um, didn't really go out, have an opportunity to go out for Kanisha's freshman year, could have gone out sophomore, junior, senior year, but by that time, It just, as a player, I didn't really want to play at that level anymore. Didn't really have the passion to play at that level anymore. Played a little bit of club soccer. um, Had started coaching a little bit for some some house leagues. More of like an assistant. Kind of got into that realm. And just really got into a little bit different side of the sport. Not that I lost my passion as a player, but just chose to go down a different route. And I'm glad that I did. Because for me, even if I had played soccer, it would have gotten me two, three, maybe four more years of playing the sport. But after that, there would have really been nowhere to go for me. I wasn't, I was a good player. I was a solid player. I wasn't at that level where I wasn't. There's no there's no delusion here. I wasn't playing at the next level after that. No delusion. 
So I feel that by kind of focusing on more of the coaching side, it definitely gave me a chance to really keep keep me more involved in the game of soccer. So at least that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. But one of those games, and um, I know I've talked a little bit about the the first year of soccer, but it was it was an exciting year. In fact, a little bit of funny story. Before I got the job, I had talked to a couple teachers. I had talked to a couple people because I was brand new at the school. Uh, I worked the summer camp. While I was working the summer camp, um, heard that the school had needed a coach. I was pretty much. Um, right out of college. So I had, I think I had been subbing a year between Williamsville, um, Cleve Hill districts, but this was my first coaching gig. So I talked a little bit to some of the teachers, the AD and everything I had heard about, Oh, the girls are a pretty good group of girls. You know, they had a pretty decent season last year. They're, they're always pretty decent in the league. So, okay taking over a pretty good program, or at least a, an average program. First day of practice, was talking to some of the girls, a couple of some of the older girls, but like, all right, how'd you girls do last year? What was your record? I heard you girls were pretty decent, pretty good. One of the seniors on the team, um, Jossie, kind of looks at me a little weird when I said, I heard you did pretty decent. She's like, coach, this is my third year on the team now. We've only won two games. I'm like, wait, two games a year? She's like, no, two games total. Oof. Okay. That's, um, some of the teachers have a little different definition of what decent is. But you know what? That season, we were able to go out and actually made the finals of the IAC, the Independent Athletic Conference Championship Finals, made the finals um, against West Seneca Christian and lost only one nothing into the finals. We ended up, I believe that year we finished in the regular season, we finished just above 500. I believe we were 8-6 and six, um, going into the playoffs, uh, beat Christian Central, and in the finals, lost to West Seneca Christian that one nothing game. And it was a game that I know as a coach, as a player, you never want to let a game. It's always, well, you know, you, you, you learn. And I tell my kids this all the time. You learn from the good. You learn from the bad. And then you have that short memory and you forget about it. This is a game that just always sticks with me for this reason. It was a tough game. It was 0-0, probably about 35 minutes in, maybe five minutes left in half. And one of my players needed a sub. Um, One of my starting center defenders. In fact, I believe it was um, Andrea just needed a quick sub. Um, So I subbed her off. Five minutes. Didn't maybe could have switched different players back in there. And in that Andrea was only off maybe two or three minutes. But in that time span of two or three minutes. West Seneca scores what is ends up being the only goal of the game. We had a couple great opportunities to neutralize it late in the game. But we couldn't tie it up. And from that point on. And it's not like I think about it constantly. I'm not that obsessive about it. But every time I think about back to that game, I just keep thinking, if I dropped somebody else back, if I dropped one of my center mids, um, one of those two, and pushed them back to center defense, would they have scored that goal? If I dropped one of my forwards back to mid, back to center defense, and kind of played everybody back a little bit, would they have scored that goal? Did I make us too weak on that back end? They weren't putting a ton of pressure on us, but they were getting some pressure back there. Did I goof up? Did I make the wrong mistake? Should I maybe have told with Andrea with only like, I think, five, ten, less than ten, five to seven minutes left in the half? Like, listen, just 
keep playing hard. We're almost, it's almost at halftime. I need you there. Could I maybe have moved her up or hidden her, maybe pushed her outside and moved in one of my outside defenders to kind of give her a little break that way? Again, I think about it every now and then, but I'm okay with it. It is what it is. I've let it go. I haven't let it go. Whatever. It's still a story that if I had a chance to, would I play it differently? Probably, but I'm okay with it. First year as a coach and you get to the finals, I think we did pretty, pretty well that year. The girls were happy. I was happy. Would it have been nice to win that game? You're damn right it would have been, but I'm over it. It is what it is. Um, other stories that I think of, we'll, we'll go to the Kenmore middle modified year. In fact, this was a year where I had coached the modified team. Um, the last three years of the Ken guys, Kenmore middle modified, um, existence because my last year, not only was the last year of me coaching Ken middle, but Kenmore Middle stopped having a team after that year. They Kenmore Middle School for that, um, and since then closed. A lot of their students either went to Hoover, went to Franklin, so they kind of combined the schools. That's when the eighth graders started moving up. So there's eighth graders going to West, eighth graders going to East at the high school now. So that was it. But during that their last year, we were able to win and be the top team in the NFL in modified soccer, which I don't think Kenmore Middle ever won that distinction. And it was it was an awesome season. A lot of great players on that team, but we came together and played together as a team. And one of the games, there's two games that I'll never forget, and they were both against the same school, Luport. In Modified, at least back then, I think the things might have changed where they have the top two teams face off. But back then, in order to have a league championship, basically whoever had the record, um, whoever had the best record, won the championship at the end of the season. There was no playoffs. No playoffs, excuse me. But if there was a tie at the end of the season, two teams had the same record, um, whoever had goal differential, better goal differential, let's say, because you played... Each team twice in the league worked out to, I believe, about 12 games. And if, um, let's say, if NT if NT and Wheatfield both had identical records, if NT beat Wheatfield both times in the league, NT would win the title. If NT and Wheatfield split one and one, they had identical records, let's say NT beat Wheatfield by one, but Wheatfield beat NT by two, Wheatfield gets the championship. So that's kind of the tiebreakers. So we go in to our first game against Niagara, or I got, sorry, against Luport. We're 5-0. and They're 5-0. and We're playing at their field. It was an incredible game. They played extremely well like they always do. They're a very tough school. We played extremely well like we have all year long. Gets to the point, I think it was in the second half, maybe 15 minutes left. Their player goes down in the box. I thought it was a shoulder-to-shoulder play. The referee... Thought it was a little differently. In fact, the Luport, the gentleman coaching Luport, great guy. We talked before. Got got to develop a little bit of a rivalry, but also a little bit of a friendship there. Even after the game, kind of came over to me and said it was a cool, little bit of a questionable call. Of course, it was in the box. Luport cashes in on their penalty shot. Game ends one nothing. Nothing you can do. I was not happy about it. During the game, I made the official well aware. After he explained to me, after I forced him or made him explain to me 
what the call was, why it was a penalty shot. I didn't think it should have been. It is what it is. As a coach, you know on questionable calls, whether it's football, hockey, soccer, anywhere in between, sometimes you're on the good end of a questionable call. Sometimes you're on the bad end. I'm not saying it's the only reason Luport won the game because who knows how the rest of the game has played out. It ended up one nothing. You don't make excuses. You shake your hand. But after that game, I remember getting the team together. Even on the bus ride back to Luport, it was somber. The kids were upset. First loss of the season. They're 5-1 five, one, five and one now. So we know that we've got six more games. We know that we've got Luport coming up again at our home. The All I said on the bus ride home, guys, we see them again in about three weeks at our field. Are we going to be ready? From there on out, every practice, every game, it was the mantra from the from the team. We're getting ready for Luport. We're getting ready for Luport. The games after every game, whether we if we beat NT, who was again a very talented team for the guys, when we beat them four to one, our captain came off the field. And that's not going to beat Luport. It was fantastic to see the way the kids responded to that loss. It was fantastic where this, a lot of that, that mantra and that talk wasn't even coming from me. Every practice, if a kid messed up, I didn't have to get on them from that point on the rest of the season. The, co- the captains would get on them. The players themselves would get on them. It was awesome to see and witness as a coach. And I'll never forget the second game, the rematch game against Luport. It was the second to last game of the season. We had run the rest of the table. We did our part. We knew all we had left was Luport and Franklin, a game after Luport. Luport, of course, had come into the game 10-0. and They had two more games left. Our guys were beyond ready. We end up winning the game 5-0. Halftime, we're up 3-0. I remember at halftime, the kids, especially in a modified game, especially at that 7th and 8th grade level, it's easy to lose your head when you're up in a soccer game. A 3 nothing lead is huge, especially at halftime. But it's easy to lose your head as a young player. Before I even gave a speech, my two captains in the huddle are telling the kid, telling their teammates, this game's not over. This game's not over. This game's not over. We need to finish it. I said very little in the huddle. As a coach, it was just, guys, you know what to do. Let's go. Everything came from the players, and it was amazing to be a part of. Just the communication on the field, yelling from the sideline. I was hoarse. I'm not going to lie. I screamed myself silly. We got the 5 nothing victory, and I'll never, I'll never forget shaking the hand of their coach Afterwards, and he just, you know, coach, you guys wanted it way more than our our guys did. You guys came in hard and came in ready to play. And you guys just simply wanted it more than my boys. And it was from top to bottom, one of the best games I've ever been a part of as a coach, as a player. It was fantastic. We ended up. Needless to say, we ended up taking care of business in Franklin the next week and finished the season 11-1, and getting Kenmore Middles. I believe it was their only 
modified championship that they've ever gotten. And, of course, the school closed next year. So it was um, it was a great way to close the school down. I was a little disappointed that we couldn't put the soccer ball in the in the uh, trophy case because by that time the trophy case was kind of starting to get cleared out. But it was a great, great way uh, to finish. And I've bumped into some of those guys throughout the year. Uh, a lot of them, a lot of their players ended up coaching or playing track and field, playing soccer, even though they were West and I was at East. Um, seeing some of those old athletes from time to time, one of the first things they'll say is, just they'll, they'll inevitably bring up at some point the the modified championship game, and it's been a lot of fun. And that's another thing. Just after doing this, after coaching so long in various levels, various schools, 20 years, I mean, coaching um, 2002 uh, back at Cleve Hill, coaching their swimming and diving program, which I knew nothing about swimming and diving. Um, that was my first ever varsity sport that I coached. I knew nothing about swimming and diving. I knew nothing about, um, really nothing to the level about coaching enough for basketball. Coach there was their head JV coach and uh, varsity assistant that year in the 2002-2003 season. And then coaching track and field, which I ran distance in high school, but had to coach the throwers for a a season and I still do now so can't get out of that but it's been it's been a ton of fun but for me throughout the years you know western new york is a it's a big small city so you bump into players you, whether it's uh out shopping whether it's having some of your your alumni come back and watching their younger brother or sister play or just there to visit, it's always fun. In fact, um, this past weekend, I had one of my former track throwers, track athletes, uh, Nolan DeJesus, who gave me my lifeguard research. And I've got to say, was did a very, very, very good job giving me that lifeguard research, even though he made me swim the 300 yards. Thanks, Nolan. But... It was it was a trip having him be um, you know be my instructor, and I think he had a little bit too much fun making me swim those laps and do the treading water and do the brick and all that fun stuff. I think he enjoyed that a little bit too much, but he made us do it, and it was it was fun seeing him grow as a as a young adult now. Um, so it's it's been fun. And that's been um, really just a good, um, a great experience. And seeing those some of those younger, younger athletes come into their own. So um, I'm trying to think of one more story here before we go into our hot seat questions. But uh, I guess the... I guess for me the one of the best stories too was my last year coaching at Park. We had a team that again wasn't loaded with talent but had a very very hard working group of girls. Had a good senior group. Played in some tough battles, had some tough games that year, but gelled together at the right time and were really starting to play extremely well. And of course, sometimes when things go extremely well, stuff happens. Injuries being that stuff and my starting uh, captain, my starting midfielder, slash center defender, slash forward, slash everything. Uh, Marta Planca goes down with an injury um, in a tough 50-50 battle. Again, wasn't a, dang- wasn't, a, wasn't a dangerous ball, wasn't a dirty play or anything, just 
it's sports, stuff happens, and hurts her ankle about seven, a little more than halfway into the season when we just started getting our stride, and she goes down. And it was a pretty nasty ankle injury. Um, An ankle injury that really just... I don't think she came back at all from that season. Was able to battle back. She was also a basketball player, but able to battle back. Um, She was able to get a little bit of a look at playing at the University of Rochester where she went to school. But um, at that point, didn't really have the confidence in her ankle yet, but still battled back. But it was a tough blow. It was a tough blow for her. It was a tough blow for the team. And it was one of those injuries where I've seen teams crumble, whether I've been a part of them as a player or as a coach. But our girls stepped up in every way possible. And we battled back. Um, they battled back the rest of the season. And we're able to make it to the finals against that same West Seneca Christian team. And we were able to win the championship. Ended up being my last year at Park before I moved on uh, to coaching in Kenmore. Um, so it was it was bittersweet. You know, it was bittersweet to win the championship great way for the team but also um a little a little bitter because just Marta being the senior she was a senior that year having her play varsity since freshman year played as a freshman played as a sophomore played as a junior got better 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 was a rock star by the time she came in senior year and just to not have her be a part of that championship was a little little bittersweet but again to her credit like a true captain even though she couldn't play she came to every single practice even though she couldn't play she came to every single game even though she couldn't play whether she was on crutches or in a walking boot came to every single game and to be there for her teammates. And like a true captain was there for her team, there for her teammates, and it was great to see. And ended up, it was funny, ended up helping uh, myself and Coach Downey coach the second, third, and fourth grade soccer team during the spring. So she got a little bit of an experience there being a coach um, as well. So that was just a few of my coaching stories uh, that I can remember. And it's been, um, it's been fun. And I mean, I know I've, I know I've had a ton, a ton more, but my, um, sometimes I, uh, you know, sometimes when you're trying to think of something, you're trying to remember something, it's just all of a sudden you just, uh, uh, wait, what? I can't remember what happened or when did it happen like that? So I, th- these were ones that just definitely came to mind. All right. I think it's that time we're going to get into the hot seat questions. So again, some of these questions are coming from, are coming from, Vicky and Sarah. So at home, they're texting me as they as I speak. And here is the first question. What's the this one comes from my wife. What's the biggest thing on your bucket list that you either accomplished or haven't accomplished yet? So question one. For me. Biggest thing on my bucket list that I accomplished, and I accomplished this prob- thanks to Vicky who bought me the um, 
ticket to do it was seven years ago. Seven years ago, Vicky bought for our first Christmas together. She bought me skydiving tickets. So I got to go skydiving at Frontier Skydiving. I didn't go, obviously, in the winter. I waited till that summer. Um, I, from the time I was a little kid, like, I don't know, 9, 10, 11 years old, I had always wanted to go skydiving, even though I am petrified of heights. You get me on like a 10-foot ladder, I'm literally shaking like a leaf. I went, always wanted to go skydiving, went skydiving, thought it was amazing, um, kind of a, I'll, I'll embarrass myself a little bit on the way down, you know, after you pull that ripcord. Not going to lie, a little bit on the way down. And I didn't realize this. It takes about 15, 20 minutes or more to kind of when you pull that ripcord to when you're sailing to the ground. I got a little uh, <laughs> I got a little sick on the way down and ended up throwing up about, uh, I don't know, five minutes before I hit the ground. So I was still fairly high up. Hope I didn't catch anybody off guard with some vomit. But um, threw up a little bit on the way down. But uh, that was my biggest thing on the uh, bucket list that I accomplished. So good question from the wife there. All right. Um, Sarah asks, would you rather have no arms or no legs? It's an interesting question. Um, hmm. I think having not that having either no arms or legs would be easy by any means. I would think having I would rather have no arms than no legs. At least you can walk around. At least you can um, run you know, still do some things. Not that having no arms would be easy by any means. But I guess if I had to choose, I would choose to have no arms over having no legs. Having no legs, you can be in a wheelchair, you know, so you can get around in there. But, um, hmm, maybe maybe would that be easier? Having At least you can throw, you can still... Get around in the wheelchair. I don't know. That's a tough question. But I guess I'd I'd still say no legs. Because, hey, you can still play soccer. I mean, in soccer, all right, I couldn't be a goaltender, and I wouldn't be able to do throw-ins. So I just have one of my outside midfielders or my other center midfield do the throw-ins instead of me. It's all right. I was never good at throw-ins anyways. So I like that question. Um, That was question two. I'm going to answer no legs. All right. We'll go back to the wife. Vicky asks, is it pop or is it soda? It's pop. Come on. It's pop. And Vicky grew up in Montreal, so she sometimes calls it soda, but she still, for the most part, calls it pop. I guess that's more of a... I've been told by friends that I have from uh, from other states, from out of town, that it's more of a Western New York thing where it's Soda, it's soda. No, it's pop. Sometimes I'll I'll make the compromise and say soda pop, but it's pop. It's pop. You're in Buffalo, it's pop. That's like asking blue cheese or ranch. If you're in Buffalo, it's blue cheese. Without a question, without a doubt. All right. Um favorite uh, what am I getting here from? We'll stay with Vicky. She says, favorite vegetable. And in fact, uh, Sarah gave her answer on the text and said asparagus, which she does. She likes the asparagus, and I love cooking the asparagus. You know, a little olive oil, a little garlic, throw a little, um, little uh, cheese on there, a little Parmesan cheese, put it over on the grill. I love it. Um... So her her favorite vegetable is asparagus. My favorite vegetable, hmm. Uh, 
that's interesting. I'm a I'm a big veggie person. Um, love I I'd probably say I'd probably say peppers. I love I love peppers. Whether you fry them up, whether you slice them up, you can you know dip them in hummus. I love carrots, uh, celery. Um, again, those are great dippers. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I, I like vegetables. I guess it's not healthy if you fry them like I do with the peppers. Um, but I love a fried pepper sandwich. A little shout out to um, Nonna for making the fried pepper sandwiches. Uh, my Nonna. But um, I think peppers. Plus, I think you can kind of put them in a little bit of everything. You can grill them up. You can put them in taco meat. You can put them on pizza. You can eat them fried peppers. You can, uh, you know, make a lot of, put them in a lot of different things. Again, use them as dippers. Put them in salads. They're very versatile. All right, so that's question three there. I'm going peppers for favorite vegetable. Or was that question four? That was question three, I think. Um, question number four, most exotic food you've eaten. That's a good one. Most exotic food. Uh, most exotic food. Um, hmm. I guess what you would, what would you depend, what would be deemed as exotic. Um, I did have cactus once. I don't know if that's exotic. That's out of the ordinary. I I had cactus. Different, different, interesting texture. Um, a lot more juicy than I thought it would be. But I guess cactuses are a lot water. But I was able to have uh, a piece of cactus. Um, had sore, uh, well, swordfish isn't that exotic. Had shark once. Tasted a lot like chicken. Um, had clams. I mean, oysters are those really exotic? I'll say, I'll say shark. I'll say that'll be the most exotic thing, at least that's coming to mind. Um, and Sarah asks, last question, question five. Sarah asks, favorite uh, movie or favorite feel good movie? Hmm. Her answer was Step Brothers, <laughs> and uh, which is we've watched that together a few times. Um, I love that movie. One, I guess, goofy movie that's going to come to mind is Office Space. I love Office Space. Uh, it's I, I always thought it was really cool, really fun, playing the workplace. I know uh, Vicky loves that movie too. She'll always joke because you know when she used to. Now that she works from home. But when she used to work at the office, she would laugh and think of um, just how how realistic some of those situations could be or can be or some stuff that has happened in her offices back when she used to work in the office. So I'm going to say Office Space as some of my movies or one of my favorite feel-good movies. Plus, it's one of those movies I love a good comedy when you can just go home whether you're having a rough day whether you're, you know, you come off of a of a loss from a soccer game, whether it's tough or, you know, you got uh, a, lo- a tough loss or a a loss that was close. It's it's just good to kind of go home and and watch a funny movie gets you in a good mood. So I'm saying Office Space. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys for listening to the solo episode. Have a chance to. It was fun having a chance to. Uh, talk a little bit about the Ken girls soccer team this year. We've got another tough game against NT. If you come out, it's at NT. Come out and cheer your Kenny's Ladies uh, Bulldogs game on. And then hopefully cheer the Bills on to victory to open up the season against the Rams. But thank you, guys. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, on Instagram. Also, any coaches out there, hit me up. If you want to be a guest, if you want to come on, whether it's Zoom, whether it's coming in studios, we're always, always, always looking for more guests. So hit me up to come on as a guest. And again, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook at Stories from the Sidelines. And if you have comments about episodes, 
if you have ideas for episodes, if anybody wants to um, do some advertising for their businesses, you know where to find us. I'm Coach Larry. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, tune in next week for another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines.